This the remix. They right now are on the advantage of a rookie quarterback contract, and they had some lean years without getting too much into their build. And I don't want to, I don't want to suck bad enough to have to get Jamar Chase. Like he's a heck of a talent. I'd love to have him, but you gotta, you gotta go through some lean years to do, to do that. And you know they were able to get Burrow one, and I don't remember where Chase was drafted. Those pretty high, like, and those guys are on their rookie deals. We're paying Stefan Diggs a pretty hefty number. We're paying Josh Allen a pretty hefty number. So there is the constraints of the cap. They have a really good team, and they got some good young players. We're going to try to get as many good players as we can through the draft and through you know free agency. But you know again, our cap situation is a little different. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. That was Brandon Bean, the general manager of the Buffalo Bills, comparing his team's roster and salary cap situation to the Bengals. Uh, His point there is that they got Joe Burrow, number one, Jamar Chase, number five, and they have those guys on rookie contracts still, which makes it easier to build a team around them. Uh, But also what I thought was interesting from him uh, when he was talking about that, he said he doesn't want to suck enough. How did he get Josh Allen? To get Jamar Chase. Um, What did they pick Josh Allen at? Six or seven? Yeah. Something like that. They weren't weren't very good. Right. So I'm curious if you're an NFL GM and he's very clearly aware of the advantage the Bengals have because their two best offensive players are on rookie contracts. Like he's fully aware of that and knows that that's a huge advantage. But at the same time, he says, well, we don't like, we don't want to suck to where we can get those types of players that you draft in the top five or whatever. I wonder how many GMs are out there with that same sort of mindset where they know something's such a big advantage, but they're not willing to go through the pain to get it because the pain is having multiple bad years. So you get multiple top maybe, five picks. Maybe risking your job. Right. And this is why I, I've brought it up a couple of times this offseason about a coach or a GM, whoever has sort of the final say. How often does a coach or a GM do what's best for them versus what's best for, what's the, best organization? for the organization? Because like the Raiders and McDaniels here, what's probably best is if they went into a legitimate rebuild, but McDaniels isn't going to, no, most gonna coaches aren't going to be around long enough. No. Right. Some of them would, right. You know, some guys actually have job security, but a lot of them, most of them, you're not sticking around. If you say, Hey, let's rebuild for two years and then try to be good three or four years down the road. You're probably not there anymore. If your team sucks that much. So it's a, it's an interesting place to be as a GM. If you know, Hey, we're better off if we suck for a couple of years to get some really good players on rookie contracts but I can't afford to do that because if we suck for a couple of years, somebody else is inheriting those rookie contracts at the end of the day. The other interesting part of that, Micah Parsons of the Cowboys, he quote tweeted, somebody tweeted out that video of Brandon Bean talking. He quote tweeted that saying or pointing out that three of the four teams still playing have quarterbacks on their rookie contracts. And the fourth is Patrick Holmes. Um, How many players do you think are out there that are really paying attention to rookie contracts and salary cap and how those impact what a team can and can't do. I don't think there's that many. I don't think there's that many that's involved with that at all. I think they're worried about themselves and they're, you know, and and the position they have on the team and winning. But if you went through, let's say, cause we're in there all the time. If you went through the Raiders locker room and just picked a guy and said, who's on the rookie contract, 
I mean, they might know because who the rookies are, but like other teams, yeah. Like I don't think they'd ever say, "Oh, you know, Burrow and Chase are on rookie." Right? Deals yeah. You, how many guys it. in the Raiders locker room would say, "Oh yeah, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are on their rookie I mean, deals still"? Maybe if they thought about it for a while and said, "Oh, they're they," you know, they got drafted a couple of years ago, but I don't know if they'd know off the top of their right. heads guys who are on the rookie deals. Parsons is apparently paying. Yeah, attention. he pays attention. So here, here's my thought on sort of an experiment that I would love to see an NFL team do. And it'd be pretty hard to do, but I would love to see an NFL team go all in on this idea of rookie quarterback contracts are extremely valuable. And what I mean by that is because quarterback salaries are so high, right? right. Because I mean, we right. had the conversation of how much is Garoppolo getting? He might, somebody might give him $35, $35 million, million dollars. right? Because they're so high and because there's a cap, right? It makes the rookie contract so much easier because it's, it's easier to build a roster with an $8 million quarterback versus a $48 million right. quarterback. Sure. Even if the $48 million quarterback's a little bit better than the $8 million quarterback, right. you'd still rather have the $8 million quarterback. So when will a team basically commit to an experiment where they draft a rookie quarterback every three to five years in the NFL draft? Where they use their first round <laughs> pick, like take the Raiders this year. They're picking seven. They take uh, whoever. We'll just say Will Levis falls to seven, even though, quick side note, people are pumping up Will Levis, by the way. I keep seeing people like, ah, he might go number one. All right. But just for this example, you draft Will Levis at seven. He's your starting quarterback next year and the following year. And then you have an evaluation. Does he suck or is is he at least decent? If he sucks, you draft a new quarterback. If he's at least decent, He's your quarterback again. So then you get him four years on his rookie deal. You try to build out as good of a roster because he's only getting whatever that is, 10, 12 million by the end of that deal. And then regardless of how good he is, when his rookie deal is up, see you later. We're drafting another quarterback with our first round. I don't think that would ever happen. Am I wrong for thinking that would be smart? It depends on how good Will Levitt is in four years. (laughs) Has he got you in a few AFC championships? And in my mind, I'm waving goodbye to him. Right? Like, would, let, let me, to use a real quarterback, would a team be willing to cut ties with Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence after their fourth or fifth season? No. No. And I not. think you should. I think you absolutely should. Just for the sake of being on a rookie contract. It's so valuable. Look who's playing in the, the AFC and NFC championship games. Well, as Mike Parsons said, three of the four guys right. other than Pat Mahomes. As soon as the Jags and the Chargers have to pay those two, even though I think they're good, even though I think there's a chance over the next 10 years, they win Super Bowls. Those guys are top five quarterbacks in the NFL. It's just such an advantage to have a slightly worse quarterback on a $8 million deal. Obviously, it'll keep going up in the future, but so will the other quarterback contracts. It's just like somebody, there was a prediction story, I think it was at ESPN, that was like, oh, Her- Herbert and uh, Burrow, they're going to get over $50 million mm-hmm. a year easily. And I'm like, he's got to be the best quarterback in the league. Like, e- either he's got to be the best quarterback in the league or you have to nail everything you do as a front office. Right. When you because, pay, of, because you're paying him that much. If you give your quarterback $50 million, you cannot miss on a first or right. second round draft pick. You can't do it. And you can't have a Chandler Jones signing. You can't sign a big name free agent who and, does nothing, and that guy be a zero or a negative, right? You've got to hit. If you you can still win, right? I mean, last year, uh, what 
well, no, the 49ers were still in these, but the Rams were there and the Chiefs were there too. Two teams that were paying their quarterback quite a lot. But I just, I would love to see a team fully commit to, we're going to take advantage of the rookie quarterback contract and we're going to draft a rookie. And whether that, if that guy is Zach Wilson, we're going to cut him and we're going to draft a new one after year two. If that guy's Derek Carr, four or five years, see you later. And if that guy's Justin Herbert, four or five years, Man, see you later. Man, never happened. But that would also, it would stick in the players' minds of, oh, I don't want to go there because I'm only guaranteed three to five years of playing and then they're going to ship me off somewhere. I'm drafting you. But you if, you're drafting him, you, if you're drafting them, you don't have a choice. You're, you're going to go where they draft you. And every other position, I'm committed to paying you. So every other position would want to play for me because I'm not paying my quarterback. I'm spending my money on offensive line and defensive line. Yeah. You don't have a choice. I mean, I guess you could Eli Manning. Yeah, it's an that's, interesting that's thought. I just saying. don't think anyone would ever I don't take either. the chance. And I, nobody would ever do that. And I think it goes back to the same thing we just said. Who has the job security to do that? Not the Texans. No, not the, no what GM has that security? What owner would sign right. off on that? Because if you draft Zach Wilson, it's easy to convince your owner we're going to get rid of this guy. I think if you draft Derek Carr, you could convince a bunch of owners, well, we're going to move on from him. We don't want to pay him $40 million. But the hard part would be Justin you, Herbert. you nail one and you Justin get Herbert. Herbert and you say, all right, you're the owner here. This guy's been great for four years. We're not signing. <laughs> I don't think the owner would say, no, you are. The only way that would work is if every year you move off him, you guarantee a top two pick. Well, no, but I'm saying you do it with like you draft Mac Jones at 14, like I like that's what he's just I, trying to get a rookie. He's just trying to get a quarterback right, in a rookie you're, deal. You're right. right. It would be great if you had a top five pick every All the year. Time. You yeah, to draft I don't. I don't think an owner or yeah, I don't think an owner would sign off on that theoretically, unless you're guaranteed a one of the top two, top and three picks. I, I think you're right. But then but, you're losing so much that GM could lose his job. Right. But I. But in my mind, like the team is going to be good. So I'm going to be drafting in the twenties. Yeah. I'm taking Anthony Richardson this year and just saying, all right, what's this guy got right. And see what happens. I would love to see a team do it because it's, it's very, it's very clearly the most valuable thing in this league. Oh, is a, quarterback on a, is a good quarterback, a good quarterback on a rookie. Right. You would have to build your team like the 49. Yes. Oh yeah. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Is, you, that, that's but the you'd goal. have the but you'd have the money to do so. Right. That's the goal. Is you have a team like the Niners, and then every four years, yeah, Brock Purdy, you draft and trade Lance. Yeah, you do, well, Rookie hell, you the Niners and just draft the guy in the seventh round. You don't need a top two pick. You just need a bottom two pick. <laughs> you need the, the last bottom pick. pick, right? The bottom <laughs> pick in the draft and make it work. But that's the idea: is you build a team that's as good as the 49ers are everywhere else, and then you just rotate through this quarterback and. You go through. You, I, I'm saying use first round picks because, generally speaking, your competent quarterbacks are going to be first round picks. Right. And hey, you're picking 24th. It's Anthony Richardson this year. Go for it. It's. And I know he went higher than 24th, but it's Mac Jones a couple years ago. And the idea is, we're so good everywhere else. As long as you're average, we're going to be in the AFC or NFC championship. You game. could get the next Aaron Rodgers at 23. And then dump him after four years. The 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 one thing that would be the one way I would change is if I if I landed like Patrick Mahomes and like I knew he's the best quarterback in the league. That's why I keep using Herbert as an example cuz he's good but he's not the best and I would move on from Herbert. The tough decision would be Mahomes I I've got the best quarterback in the league. 
that's the one I might break the strategy for and say, all right, I'm keeping Mahomes because he's clearly the best in the league. Would you do it with the Josh Allen type? I'd dump him. Yeah, I'd dump Burrow. Well, if he jumps Herbert, he's going to dump Josh Allen. I'd dump Burrow, too. The only one that would make me question it is Patrick Mahomes. Never happen. I know it won't, but I would. I need to see it happen. <laughs> Come it, on, give it, me, give me an owner who hires his son as GM, who's like, Dad, this is going to be fun. Let's do this. I mean, he's old, He's a lot older now, but who has the power? Like, would Belichick have the power to do that? <sighs> he might get fired. He might, he might be. <laughs> Belichick would have the power. He'd be like, he might be the one that look here, Kraft. This is what I'm doing. You're going to sit yeah. back. This he might, he might be the only one. The problem is they've got the quarterback on the rookie deal, and they can't put a good <laughs> offense around him. Jacoby Myers is his damn best receiver. Like, they kind of have it. They just blew it. Maybe they blew it because Patricia was calling plays, but the, the Patriots should be doing it right now. But I don't know. Who's he supposed to throw the ball to? Well, that's the best part about your theory, though, is that if you do that and you miss elsewhere, you're screwed. Right. Right, but I mean, you 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 have to be the Rams of last year or be the Niners of this right. year. And like when you do that, you can also do what the Eagles and the Raiders and the Dolphins did. You can go trade for that top end wide receiver, well, right? If you never got one in the draft, don't trade for that top end defensive end because it might turn out bad. <sighs> yeah, but and that's the key is you can't. Well, but again, if you have the rookie quarterback making eight million instead of forty eight million. You have you can miss a little bit more because you got that bigger buffer right. there. You you can afford to miss a few more places. Now you're probably not winning the Super Bowl if you give out the Chandler Jones contract, right? Like, right. But if you miss on Chandler Jones, you're still probably going to have a good team because you, your other pieces are good enough. You have that, the money, right? That you have enough. Your your team is still good, but probably not Super Bowl champion. Somebody experiment for me. It'd be a lot of fun to see that because I'd also love to see the fan base when. Oh yeah, we're getting rid of Joe Burrow Can you, or, or Justin Herbert. We're Joe, getting rid of Burrow. And Joe Herbert. Burrow goes to back to back Super Bowls, and you're like, Joey, yeah, we're moving on. I think thanks you. That fan base would diminish pretty quickly. Not not <laughs> if you win. If you in this idea, if you dumped Burrow, what is he in his third year? So you got third two year. more because he's on got the fifth year option. You dump Burrow after two more seasons. If you draft a kid with pick twenty four and you're back in the AFC Championship. They're going to be like, Joe Burrow, who? <laughs> Not going to care. They're going to be like, hey, look, we're back. It's kind of, I mean, I know we need to go to break. Baseball teams do this all the time. Baseball teams yes. just get a player yes. for like seven years yes. instead of four. But baseball teams do this a lot where they have their star player and then they're like, eh, our owner's cheap. We don't want to pay him. See you later. Here comes a kid from AAA because the difference between the two is not worth the salary. Yeah, that's why yeah. that's why the blue crew next year is going to sign a certain guy we like from the uh from the Angels. Coming right. up next here <laughs> on ESPN Las Vegas, it's Bischoff's briefs. Bischoff's briefs. I wanted you to see these player evaluations that you asked me to do. Bischoff's briefs. I asked you to do 3. Yeah. Bischoff's briefs. To evaluate three players. Yeah. How many did you do? Bischoff's briefs. 47. Okay. Actually, 51. I don't know why I lied just then. Did you see what uh, new governor Joe Lombardo said about pro sports teams and tax dollars? So Mick Akers tweeted this out. 
Lombardo said, I know there's a quandary associated with welcoming athletics, whether they're going to put roots down in the Las Vegas Valley or not. But my position, what I have expressed, is no public money for that endeavor. He then clarified a little bit later, coming back and saying, Governor Lombardo will not raise state taxes to bring a sports team to Nevada. However, the Oakland A's or any other company or team looking to relocate to Nevada may or may not be eligible for a variety of existing economic development programs in the state. So Joe Lombardo came out hard and heavy saying no no public, public money, money for, for sports sports teams and then same day had to put out a statement saying, well, we might give them something. <laughs> Through different uh what what was it? Through different economic variety of existing economic development programs. Okay. So taxes that are already in place right, that you can right. pull money from or whatever. But he is very much against increasing any sort of tax anywhere to give money to Good. a pro sports teams, which is what happened to get the Raiders here. Right. And the only the only example that's been used as to how the A's could get public money here was Dave Cobble being like, well, what if we put in a rental car tax? Yeah. According to Lombardo, he would not be on board with in, in, no. you know, implementing a rental car tax that would give the A's money. So maybe there's still a way the A's get public money out of Vegas in the future, but it would appear as though the uh, change in governor is not a good thing for the Oakland A's and their chances to come to Las well, Vegas with some public I thought money. At the end there, Sisolak was saying about the same stuff. He was. He, he was, was saying no. He said there's just no appetite at all at the legislative level for for public money. He was more open to like, hey, how can you get creative and do stuff? Like he, Sisolak very much was a cheerleader for pro sports here, so he right. would have been. I think he would have been. Uh, he would have tried very hard to find different ways to how can we find some money for you, but I think the overall narrative from Sisolak was we're not going to raise or implement a new tax. To give to, it to you for your stadium. Right, because the state legislature doesn't really want to do that after giving the Raiders $750 million. Also, on the A's potential relocation, the Athletic had a story. They, they're doing a series on like potential expansion teams in Major League Baseball. But in one of their stories about Vegas, they wrote, Rob Manfred, Commissioner of Baseball, Rob Manfred has informed the Athletics that he would waive any relocation fee which would cost hundreds of millions of dollars if the A's move to Las Vegas. Is that a th uh, threat against Oakland, or is that a genuine way that Rob Manfred wants to help the A's get to Vegas? I don't know, but what if I own the Dodgers? I'm not happy about that. No. And that's the part that threw me off there, because the owners would make that decision, right? Does Manfred yeah. have the ability to? I don't just think Manfred has the autonomy to say it? that we're going to waive a relocation fee of hundreds of millions of dollars. So if I'm the owner of any other team in Major League Baseball, and the A's want to move, the standard is that there's a relocation fee. Right. The Raiders paid 350 million dollars to the other owner. That goes straight to the other owner's yes. pockets. Paid 350 million dollars to move from Oakland to Vegas. Baseball probably not going to be quite as much, even though five or six years later maybe it would be that much. But if I'm talking about $300 million that gets split up amongst the other owners. Why would I turn that down? Why would I say, no, no, you can move without yeah, a relocation. You think Las fee. Vegas is going to be that lucrative a market that you're going to turn down that money? Yeah, I can't imagine you would.
No. So that's the part of it I don't quite understand. And that's why I feel like that's a that's a threat against Oakland more so than anything else. That that's Manfred trying to be like, hey, Oakland, watch out. We'll let them move to Vegas for cheaper than usual if you don't give them more money. Cheaper, I think nothing, nothing. Yeah. I think everything that baseball and the A's have done have been a threat against Oakland. Oakland. I don't think, I mean, I think there is some genuine, but it's more so, well, if this doesn't work out in Oakland, what's our backup option? Hey, it's Las Vegas. But I don't think, I think still the ultimate goal is for the A's to stay in Oakland. They just are trying to get as much money as possible. But here's my other question from that story. The athletic did, um, because it was looking at Las Vegas and other cities as expansion cities for major league baseball. And Rob Manfred has said they're not going to expand until they figure out the Oakland A's and the Tampa Bay Rays stadium situation, right? They want a new ballpark for the Rays. They want a new ballpark for the A's. And once they get that done, Manfred says they'll look at expansion, which would take them from 30 to 32 teams. If we had the choice, wouldn't Las Vegas rather have an expansion team than the A's? I'd rather an expansion team because I think that owner might spend money. Just the chance that the owner chance the owner would spend money and actually want players. So the genuine question here, and obviously you wouldn't be guaranteed an expansion team, and maybe Major League Baseball would say no if Las Vegas tried to do this. But if Major League Baseball is like, we want to move the A's to Las Vegas, wouldn't it be better to just say, no, no, we'll take an expansion team? We don't want them here. We want a brand new team. Yeah. Like, and again, yeah. it's not like you're going to have the direct choice. The expansion process no, is going to be. You're going to have to bid for it. And right. Have, There's going to uh, have to be an owner and all that. And exactly. All of that. So you'd kind of be saying, no, we don't want the A's because we, we have a chance at an expansion team right. in the future. But like, if you were given the choice, between well, if you're given two, a choice, I think you're taking the expansion. Team. Yeah. Be way better than the A's just based on ownership. It'd be better than the A's. Yeah. So I think Las because Vegas, I think I can't believe an expansion owner would act like Fisher does. Yeah. You'd have to Would imagine if somebody came have in and lose all the time. You'd hope it'd be team? Steve Cohen. Yeah, I mean you're gonna. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna lose in the beginning anyway, but you want to try to build over time a winning franchise, and I don't think Fisher has any any desire to do that. Do you know how great it would be if there there's an expansion baseball team and their first winner in free agency they spent like Steve Cohen did. You know, great. That'd be phenomenal. Great. Was just like, who's available? Yeah, we're signing him. Yeah. Who's the t- give me the top four free agents. We got all of them locked up. Eleven year deals, five hundred million at that point. That would be phenomenal if we had an owner and an expansion team in Las Vegas who just walked in and said, Yep, we're spending money like Steve Cohen. Otani's next contract after Las the next Vegas. one. Yep, he's coming to Vegas. Oh. He's is he he might not sign another contract though. He's already gonna be was he is he gonna be thirty next year? Uh, in the off yes. season, he's going to get 12 years, right? Well, they're going to trade him to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> when the ballpark is built and six years down the road, and he's just not as good anymore. They're going to trade him to Vegas. Is like, take. I don't think he's signing. Like, I don't think he's signing a second contract. I think he's getting one right. for double digit years. That'll take him to 40 or beyond. That'll and be that'll it. be it. Right. And like, um, unless he's Tom Brady, he's not getting a new contract when he's 43. So, I think he's probably signing one more contract and that's going to be, that'll set him up for life. Cause he kind of, because of when he came over, he kind of got screwed with MLB's rules. Cause he signed, he signed for like 5 million or something like that is how much he's been getting right. paid each year with the angels. 
because of how old he is and all that crap. But now that he's going to be next off season, a free agent, 12 years, $500 million, dollars. whatever that number is, the Dodgers pay and yes, they've been saving up money. You think they that's got why, a jar? That's why, that's why uh, they, they weren't uh, involved in much free agency this year. They're saving up the money. You think they got a jar? Where they just throw like a in, tip jar? Yeah, they just throw in the money to save up for Otani. Otani? Yeah. There'd like, be a lot of jars. It's like when Justin Turner leaves, they're like, how much did he get? Put that in the jar. We're be a lot saving of tips, that up. A lot of jars. <laughs> they're collecting all the tips at Dodger Stadium, <laughs> putting it in this jar to sign Otani in the future. It'd be great. I'd love that. They got to save up the money, though. There's the, the, do the Dodgers actually have to save money, though? No. Like they could have no. signed whoever they I think wanted. Their TV and deal alone that makes it that they don't have to save money. Right. And then next year still have gone out and signed Shohei Otani. Yeah. Yeah. Stop being cheap, Dodgers. Come on. Spend some money. You're going to get beat by Steve Cohen out here. Probably get beat by the Padres this year. Uh oh. Well, you worried about that good. again? We're already starting. He's worried. Ed's worried. Season is uh, four months away, and Ed is I'm very already concerned. worried. Very concerned. All right. Coming up next, Journey ESPN Las Vegas. It's J.R. Starkus. Of course. Without Rudolph's nose, Santa would not have been able to complete his voyage. I must find Clyden. Yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, he just left his baby with two drunk dudes. Reminds me of my dad. Only thing is, one, we're not babies. And two, we're not that drunk. We're not that drunk. It's never too early for him to mix up some drinks, even if it's only nine in the morning. Find out what's on tap with extreme mixologist J.R. Starkus. Follow him on Instagram at J.R. Makes Drinks. Follow him on Twitter at J.R. Starkus. I'm going to, just because you're a Niner fan, I'm going to get this right. You ready? <laughs> Southern Glazers Wine Spirits and Beer of Nevada? Yes. Yes, correct. Goodness, you were yeah, grimacing while yeah. he said that. Because he said Southern Glazers Wine Spirits and Beer. It's 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 and beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are uh, there two ands? There's Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. And yeah. beer. And beer. So and there's beer. two ands. But I got but I got the beer in there. Yeah, no, you did great. I'll give you, uh, you it's way better <laughs> I mean, than you've done in the last, yeah. I don't know, how Are long I've been still on the director show? of business Eight development? Years. Yes, I am still the director of business <laughs> okay, development. New no. accounts, yes, I do all that. Yep. All right. Okay. <laughs> but he's our extreme mixologist. Yes, yes. yes. he is. Did our you were you listening earlier when I read the AI chatbot? So no, because you I have a very big gripe with the app, the app on the phone for. This. We have an app. Yes, you have an app, and um, well, <laughs> there is a button to push. It's a matter of how much it actually works. So when I listen on my phone, it is um, no scratchy. Bueno. No, it's. Come on. So you you click on it, and I know there's listeners out there right now that are sympathizing with me. You click on it, and it brings you to the website, right? And this right. is the way they push you to it. And it says, listen live? Listen live. So you click on the uh, ESPN radio, then you click on press box. And then what generally happens is silence, nothing. And so you'll have to reboot the page, and then it'll say programming will start after ads. And then the ads will start, and then nothing. So you'll have to reboot the page again and again. So today I rebooted the page, I think, seven times before I finally got voices. And then uh, it kicked me off. And so I hold, hold on, hold on a second. You're on the press box icon, right? Mm-hmm. How many ads are on there? There are. <laughs> it should just be one 30 second ad, right? Uh, sometimes there's one or two. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, one one ad. And it's, yeah, 
one or two ads usually, and then it, then it then it goes right to you guys wherever you're at, right? right. If you're in the middle of advertising, right. it goes there, or if you're in the middle of a sentence, it starts there. Okay. But um, today I had to reboot the page like six or seven times. I finally got you, and then it cut off, and because so I got like a phone call. Right, and if you get a phone call, then like start the whole process. You're like, done oh, if he gets a phone call. Yeah, yeah. so that I was yeah. So I, I didn't catch it. So I long don't, answer. Don't disagree with you. Say no. So I used a AI chatbot to mm-hmm. come up with some hot takes about Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr, or whatever. <laughs> but I also had it say nice things about us. Okay. Um, but I just asked a question here to uh, write about the most extreme place to make a cocktail. I'm going to read this to you. Okay. The most extreme place to make a t- cocktail. That's an interesting question. I've made cocktails in some pretty wild places in my time, but the most extreme has to be at the top of Mount Everest. Imagine the wind whipping through your hair, the freezing temperatures, and the thin air making it difficult to breathe. But there I was, mixing up a mean gin and tonic at 29,029 feet above sea level. It was a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and the challenge of making a cocktail in such harsh conditions made it all the more satisfying. I had to carry all the ingredients and equipment up the mountain with me, including a portable cocktail shaker. Aren't they all portable? Well, first of all, you wouldn't use a cocktail shaker for a gin and tonic, but go (laughs) ahead. Continue on. (laughs) AI. A portable cocktail shaker, ice, and a small camping stove to melt the ice. And let me tell you, shaking a cocktail at high altitude is no easy feat. Okay. But the reward was a perfectly chilled and well-balanced drink enjoyed with some of the most breathtaking views on Earth. It was truly a unique and unforgettable experience. I think it just goes to show that with a bit of determination and love for mixology, you can make a cocktail anywhere, even at the top of the world. So let me now you have now read the world's worst bartender uh, (laughs) because, first of all, all cocktail shakers are portable. All of them, like all of them. Um, It's a gin and tonic, so you'll need gin, tonic and ice. So I don't know what you're melting. The ice on the top of Mount Everest is pretty much built in, right? Yes. It's anywhere you want it to be. Yes. So you don't need to bring ice up. And uh, you also probably don't even need ice because everything's going to get cold on your way up there. Well, I mean, a gin and tonic would just be gin and tonic over ice that's stirred. He didn't mention anything to put it in. He didn't mention a gl- he didn't mention a lime, right? And that's a poor choice of drinks. If I'm hiking up Mount Everest, the last thing I want is a cold beverage. There's plenty of cold. I would be drinking like an Irish coffee, you know? That would be better because then you have hot coffee with you and at least... In theory, it keeps you warm. Um, so very poor choice of uh, beverage. Uh, whoever this this AI person is. is well, it's uh, not a person. Well, whatever. Artificial AI, intelligence. Uh, yeah. yeah, whatever. It's a chat bot. Uh, awful. Yeah. Completely awful. That's a that's a bad, like somebody, whoever's on the back end needs to rework that <laughs> thing, man. This is great. That was awful. I'm going to have you break down AI <laughs> drinks from now yeah, on. Let's do it. I'll do this it every week. That was, awful. that was terrible. What drink do you want me to look up? Oh, yeah. Look up your favorite drink. Uh, my favorite. We'll drink. see. Margarita. We'll see how the they make it. Margarita. Yeah. 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 How do you drink. make a margarita? Yeah. This my... will be fun because this is by far is his favorite drink. <laughs> <laughs> Jr. Stark is breaking down the AI chatbot. It's a little slow at the moment. Oh, I just got an error. Can't can't tell us how to make a margarita. It heard you <laughs> ripping it. I was like, I'm not doing <laughs> yeah, it's that. Like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. This guy no knows chance. So yeah. Don't uh, don't you're saying don't take. AI advice on how to make a drink. Not on that one. Okay. Then on that one. I mean, if you're climbing the Mount Everest, you deserve something. Uh, I mean, that was just terrible. Like you're bringing up way too many things. <laughs> it's already you already have enough stuff to carry. Now he's having you melt down ice. All right. Here I got a list of ingredients coming. I just said how to make a margarita. Mm-hmm. Two ounces of tequila. Okay. One ounce of lime juice. Okay. Half an ounce of triple sec or Cointreau. Okay. Salt for rim. Lime wedge for garnish. Okay. Good to go so far. 
Sure, but okay. I, I have I have critiquing. But go ahead. The instructions: mm-hmm. rim the edge of glass with salt by rubbing a lime wedge along the rim, then dipping it in a plate of salt. Number two: in a shaker, combine the tequila, lime juice, and triple sec. Number three: fill the shaker with ice and shake well for about fifteen seconds. Number four: strain the mixture into the salt rim glass filled with ice. And number five: garnish with lime wedge and enjoy. Okay. Yes. Okay. 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 Very close. The only thing I would tell you is that <laughs> recipe is incredibly sour. He's got two ounces of tequila, one ounce of fresh lime, and half of an ounce of triple sec or Cointreau. Um, that's not enough sugar to offset that much acid. So that drink for the average consumer would be way too sour. So I would add an, an additional maybe half ounce of agave nectar, and I think it would be a much more balanced and pleasant cocktail to enjoy. But he got closer there he than got the really, Mount Everest. Yes, yes, absolutely. Really close. That's <laughs> That one's better, way better, like light years better. I've got a question for you. It's January 26th and about 10 degrees outside. Why are we doing a pool drink today? And go ahead and tell us what it is. So, okay, so we're doing a pool drink because I've already presented pool cocktails. Oh, you've already yes. done your menus. My, we're, it's, it's that time of year. Generally, um, right when the pool season st- ends, like in October or whatever it right. is, they're you know starting to reach out about next year's pool already. Your, your menu. Um, so my first pool presentation uh, was what, two weeks ago, I think now, two weeks ago. So middle, middle of beginning of January. Wow. Right. Um, and the training for that pool is going to be, uh, in a couple weeks in February. So they're probably going to open March 1st end of February. Right. So that's a little chilly. Yeah, it is, but there'll be a line. I assure you, I've seen it every single year. It blows my mind. How many at the pool? Oh yeah. How many like you know, scantily clad women and shirtless dudes, and it's like f- 53 degrees outside. I'm like, what are we doing, man? Wow. Like, I, I just, I'll jump in the jacuzzi, but that doesn't exist at the pool. <laughs> um, so, but you know, it's about the party. So, God bless them. They drink and booze. I'm, I'm, I'm in. But yeah, so you know, for us, for me, for the those of us in this industry that that develop cocktails, um, it's kind of the thick of pool season because once you get to April. Like we're done. Like there's not a lot of cha- not a lot of changes happening at that point. The the pools are are going, and um, you know there's there's not really uh, the operators of the pools aren't really looking to like make any big adjustments to a cocktail menu. So yeah, the these pool menus are we're working on them now. So I wanted to to make a, a pool drink that you okay. may find at a pool this season. Um, so this drink is actually <laughs> so I, I tell you that I taste every every drink that I make at home um, generally. Um, when I make them, I have a pretty good idea of, you know, how the flavors are going to kind of come together and stuff like that. But sometimes I'll taste it and I'll think to myself, oh, that could have used a little extra s- sweet or a little more sour or something like that. But um, for, for my palate, right, um, generally, though, when I'm, when I'm saying things on the radio, they, they're, they're going to work. Like people are going to like them if they try them at home. Um, when I tasted this week's drink, I, I think I said out loud, damn, that's good. Like, you know, like to myself in the house. Right. And then I showed my wife the photo and she's like, "Ooh, that looks tasty. So, yeah, it, it, it came out really great. Uh, so this drink is actually going to be served over crushed ice if you have it, which anybody usually that gets uh, ice from the refrigerator has the crushed ice right. option. And that will do just fine. There are a couple places like Sonic around town that you can go get the pebble ice if you so desire. Um, not necessary, but if you want to do that, you can. Uh, the The crushed ice from your refrigerator will work fine. I put this drink into a hurricane glass, if you will. Um, you can just use a Collins glass or something like that, but something that holds 14 to 16 ounces is preferred. 
And there are five ingredients. Six you can kind of add because this does border on the side of like tropical. So first ingredient that goes into your mixing tin is going to be sky pineapple vodka. Okay, one ounce. The second ingredient is going to be one ounce of Malibu coconut rum. Some people would call it a coconut liqueur, but Sounds it's marketed good. as a rum, right? Then you're going to add an ounce and a half of pineapple juice, and you can just use the Dole pineapple juice that comes in a can. That works perfectly fine. I prefer it, frankly, because it's always consistent. Then you're going to add one ounce of a uh, cream of coconut, like Coco Real or Coco Lopez, like coconut cream. And then you're going to add three-quarter ounces of lime juice, fresh lime juice, right? You need a little bit of acidity. The sky pineapple's got sweetness to it. Malibu's got sweetness to it. And, of course, pineapple and the coconut syrup do or purees. Sounds like my drink. Yeah, yeah, you would love this. (laughs) You need a little bit of acid to just kind of like balance it out uh, to to give it a to make it a little bit more palatable, so it's not cloying on the palate. Uh, So you're going to add some crushed ice to your mixing tin, and you're going to add about your uh, put about half crushed ice in your hurricane glass. Okay, when you shake these ingredients together, we're not when I usually do a regular cocktail with regular ice, I'm shaking a little bit longer to dilute and chill the cocktail. Uh, because this drink is going to go over crushed ice, it will dilute faster no matter what. So we're going to add a little bit of crushed ice to our mixing tin, and we're going to shake it for like three seconds. And the idea here is to chill it slightly and incorporate the ingredients. We're going to strain all those ingredients right over that glass of half-crushed ice. ice. Okay. Then once you strain it, now you top it again with more crushed ice. And that what you get there, there will be a little bit more volume in the drink. But what you get there is about the top, call it one inch, that's just ice. And that's the look that you want for this particular style drink, okay? You're not getting cheated on the amount of alcohol. You're still getting the same thing as if you filled the glass up. But by the the look of the drink, it will have a little bit more ice in, in the beverage, right? Then uh, we top it off the last ingredient. You just take like eight or nine dashes of an aromatic bitters on top. That's what gives it that kind of brown. The brown. Yep, look. the brown at the top. And bitters to a bartender is like salt and pepper for a cocktail, right? Do you need to add that part? No, uh, but I highly recommend it. And when the straw goes in, you kind of mix it all in. Uh, the bitters interacts with the coconut and the flavor, the, the pineapple, the vodka, and it's just this beautiful, uh, flavorful, tropical cocktail. The garnish that I used on the drink, I used a uh, dehydrated pineapple, and I also used a fresh lime wheel. Of course, you can you can garnish to your heart's desire, but it makes a really great tropical cocktail. Keep this one in your arsenal for the pool this summer. I assure you, uh, you'll love it. And if you go to a pool near you, maybe you'll you'll see one. Has it got a name? I didn't name it. Oh, Did Mount name Everest. It? Yeah. So yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> um, so so yes. Uh, generally, what happens when when I started making cocktails for resorts and for pools over ten years ago? Um, I put a lot of thought and creativity into every single name that I did. And that comes from the competition side of things that I used to do. And what I discovered very quickly is that the uh, cons- customer, the client, doesn't give two rips about what I name the drink. They're going to name the drink what they want to name the drink. So I stopped, like, putting a lot of thought into it. So now I often – well, I'll put – you know, sometimes I'll put a, a generic name to a drink. You know, this would be the the coconut cooler Right. And they're like, oh, we're going to change it to this. I'm like, great. I don't care because I didn't put a lot of thought into it. Um, but sometimes they keep it, too. I mean, the drink will work. I try to name the drinks a lot of the time a, uh, a call out to what the drink is. So somebody who's not looking at ingredients knows like, oh, I like coconut. Right. And, uh, you know, they would order it because they like coconut. 
Purdy pineapple. There you go. Done. Done. Purdy pineapple. <laughs> yeah. Purdy pineapple. I love it. Better than the Prescott pineapple. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. All right. All right. 100%. I mean, this is Purdy pineapple. Is this yeah. going to be on JR Makes Drinks? Yes, it will be. You on bet. Instagram, at JR Makes Drinks, he's going to show it to you. This is, it's a beautiful looking thing. It seems like my kind of drink. You would if like I, this. If, you I, would, if I drink a lot. Yeah, you would definitely do this. Uh, we could also do it like with a, for you, I would maybe do it with like a coconut sorbet or a coconut, like Just ice throw cream. an ice cream yeah, in there. Yeah, whipped cream sure. on top? Oh, yeah, for whipped cream. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, for you, buddy. <laughs> All right. He's JR Starkus. JR makes drinks on Instagram. JR, we appreciate Thank it. You, Don't buddy. do a gin and tonic on top of And beer. Um, All right. <laughs> we got tickets to give away to go see Luke Bryan. Coming to Las Vegas, playing at Resorts World, 702-364-1100. That's the phone number. You'll win tickets to go to a show on February 10th, 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number nine at 702-364-1100. First of all, congrats on on making uh, the 24,000 points mark. Yeah. Uh, Tonight, you used impressive dribbling skills to successfully uh, fake out your opponents multiple times. And um, in the second quarter, you made a jump shot where your body was turned like 180 degrees away from the basket. It was just an amazing shot. You're always making these spectacular moves with just within a split second. Um, do you anticipate doing them, or is it just a second nature to you? Like, do you just not even have to think about it? Um, you know, the way you explain it, you need to be around more often. I, I, I... I, you know, I just try to go out and do the best with the, the best way I can. Uh, try to, you know, find ways to better make uh, make some shots and make the right play. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. And Russell, Russell Westbrook's going to start paying people to be in the media to just ask him questions like that. Yeah. He was. He was very excited. Have you seen the video of his sure. facial re- reaction? Yeah, he oh. enjoyed it. He yeah. loved it. He oh, was very I taken mean, aback. with that question? I think he almost was expecting there to be like a, but you sucked at this. <laughs> and it just never came. Um, by the way, using the uh, using my auto uh, AI chat here, I just asked it, why is Russell Westbrook good at basketball? And it sounds a lot like that question. Russell Westbrook is considered one of the best basketball players in the world because of his unique combination of physical ability, skills, and competitiveness. Some of the reasons why he's good at basketball include athleticism, ball handling, defense, competitive drive, and durability. It's pretty nice. I also was asked... Was she just if, reading that off when she, she was asking been. that? I also asked, why does Dave Roberts struggle with bullpen management? Oh, no. I'm not aware of any specific information that would indicate that Dave Roberts, the current manager of the LA Dodgers, struggles with bullpen management. <laughs> there you go. He knows what he's doing. He's great at it, Ed. I have discovered that if you ask it anything negative, it does not give you a reply. Like, why is this guy so bad? Like I like I did it. I said why I did why is the press box a good radio good. show? And it gave me that whole four paragraphs. Right. And then I asked it, why is the press box a bad radio show? And it said, I have no information. And it says, I'm sorry, I can't. I have no information on why the press box is bad. And then it, well, it, it keeps going and is like, but attributes of a bad radio show include, and then it's like, you know, bad audio or confusing storytelling and stuff like that. So it'll, but, and then it finishes off. But none of these attributes may be attributed to the press box. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. Yeah. So it doesn't really write anything bad. So, like, if I asked it to be like, why should Dusty Baker be fired? I don't think it would. It's not going to tell you anything. Yeah. It won't even tell me why Dave Roberts is bad at bullpen management. You could give me a whole five Uh, minutes on that. No problem. 
five, I'd give you 30. <laughs>